Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. We join you this week from our respective home spaces. And as we begin, let's go ahead and take a moment. Uh, today is actually Canada Day. Um, we are pre-recording so that this can go out through SFU at the end of the week. And as Canada Day, and especially um, with a reminder that we usually do uh, at the beginning or, or partially through our shows where we take a minute to remember that this land is not actually, you know, Canadian. What does that even mean? I'm using the air quotes right now. Um, I am of, I'm of split, split mind and heart when it comes to Canada Day because I, I like to be in gratitude. Um, it is a good place and a healthy place to be in, a gratitude for where I live and for the privileges that it affords me and um, the peace and the relative peace that I have in my life and opportunity. And at the same time, uh, I have learned and understand that we are here on the unceded ancestral territories of the Squamish, the Coquitlam, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Musqueam um, bands. And what that means as settlers is that we have some reconciliation to work out. We have some restoration that needs to be done uh, for the people of this land who are still um, discriminated against and lacking in privileges due to the systemic racism that has been down through the centuries. And there's a lot of work still to be done. And so while acknowledging that, I also want to acknowledge my gratitude um, for being welcomed in this land, for being present, that it is um, my homeland, all that I have known, and that I want to further its peace and its growth including uh, the First Nations of this land. And Luca and I, you know, it's actually, it's a nice thing to ground in on as we get started today, because we thought that we would spend some time today um, in the creation space, active creation space, remembering the power that we have as individuals and as small teams and as societies or communities in creating new stories, creating new possibilities, creating new supports and interventions, new ways of being, new ways of thinking. And <clears throat> Luca, you you were mentioning before we came, uh, before we actually started recording about a few different ways you've been thinking about that in your life these days. And um, maybe you can, you can share a little bit about that and then I'll pop back in again. Well, I'm in the in the process of redesigning my website at the moment, which means that I'm in deep in the mode of what do I believe and what am I trying to manifest? And uh, what do the people who come to me as clients believe and what do they want to manifest? And I believed for a long time that um, what we set as an intention makes a huge difference to um, what we actually manifest in the world. And, and at the same time as I'm doing that, I'm uh, aware of, uh, subjected to, um, in, in the pool of uh, all of us 
uh, and, and are conjecting about what's going to come after this COVID virus is over. Um, and that, and, and I've talked to many people about the fact that our, we'll have a new normal because the old normal, I think, is pretty much gone. Um, and will that mean that we get rid of all the ills in our society? I, it would be lovely if we could snap our fingers and, and get rid of them, but I suspect that it's a process like everything else. But if we can't dream about what we want, then I don't think we can manifest it. And I think part of dreaming about what we want is being more and more clear about what we don't want. Um, and, and I think that this time of great change that we're going through at the moment is really helping us to see what we don't want anymore. Um, if we ever wanted it in the first place, um, some factions did, but, um, and, and when we talk about the land that we're being on as, as unceded land, um, I think that that uh, brings up why why did people come to the quote unquote new world in the first place? Because it wasn't actually a new world; it was just new to them. And what did we do once we got here? N now that we're here, wh what are we continuing to do? And and I think we have to collectively dream a new world. That means um, all of us, all all colors, creeds, backgrounds, histories. Uh, sexual orientations and all the other differences that we have to find the commonalities of what, of what we want now. And I've just been reading a, a series of books about a pandemic, which whether it's coincidental or not, I don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> I think, um, I think of the more synchronicities, but this book, the first book in the series, it's three books, uh, was published in 2017. And and it, it postulates what could happen. It's based in, in the U.S., on, and the story starts out um, on, the, on the east coast of the U.S. And it, it is, um, at the same time, pessimistic and optimistic. And it just reminds me that when we look at the future, we can look at it with optimism or pessimism. Um, and it, it also reminds me of the utopian and anti-utopian literature or dy dystopian literature that's, that is right. out there, which I think is one of the ways that we dream forward into the future. I think scientists do it by researching because they're, they're trying to find what will be a solution. And, and I think that writers do it by, by writing science fiction, basically. Um, utopian and, and dystopian literature, um, which which can be all about doom and gloom. Um, you know, we're we're going to hell in a handbasket kind of thing. Um, but that doesn't actually make for a great story. You know, for humans, we have to have something that gives us some hope. And I think a lot of the time, our dreaming is about is about hope. It's what we hope for. It's like we need to be. I don't know about need to be, the phrasing maybe isn't great, but being frightened by having consequences made plain to us, which I think is what sometimes artists and authors, um, who are artists just in a, in a different way, are doing when they write their dystopian uh, things or we create dystopian films. It's, it's meant to be accessible enough that we could see how we could get there from where we are which is, I think, most of the time, it's meant to serve as, as a caution, right? As the, 
like the fear inoculation, which is kind of what we would do oftentimes with kids, right? Stranger danger or whatever. You give kids a good dose of fear so that they will avoid the things that are unhealthy or potentially harmful or pitfalls, even if they're not their fault. They didn't create them. Um, it's a problem of other people doing, doing bad or wrong things that would make it happen. So those things are useful to pull us up short to kind of be, oh my goodness, wait, what? Is that a consequence that, that, I, that we could be falling into because we're just not thinking that far ahead? But the solutions aren't found in that. We don't find another way forward just by being afraid of where we may end up if we continue with where things are right now. And fear, fear is, I don't, do not find it a useful emotion in terms of helping to make decisions. Fear so often shows up either as avoidance or paralyzing, it's an action inhibitor, or it it's transmutes into an anger, which becomes often an unfocused or undirected destructive force because we don't want the negative consequences of whatever it is that we're afraid of, but we may create other unintended negative consequences if we respond out of that angry place. So the place, the emotions and the mental state where successfully creative energy, ideas, actions come from is from, is from hope, it's from imagination, it's from curiosity, it's from tenacity. It's definitely heightened when you're faced with a seemingly impossible situation which is the irony right sometimes what is it they say necessity is the mother of invention right and i think when we're looking around us right now at the world right now there's definitely a feeling of necessity there are some things that must change quickly if we're going to survive ourselves what we've done to the world and what we do to each other we need some major structural systemic things shifted so you know Luca you were referring to having been doing some work on on your website and the fact that you encountered some old notes and it helped you to see that that visioning process that you did for yourself so many years ago is now manifesting into something that is real and concrete. I love coming across, actually one of my favorite things with my journal, I don't write in my journal all the time, but I usually write in it when I need to process. So things are fraught or there's just a lot going down or a lot of change or something and I need to track it. And one of my favorite exercises to do whenever I am finally sitting down with it is to go back through my old stuff and I invariably encounter stuff that I wrote that it's like, oh my gosh, I asked for that. And oh, look, it showed up. I forget sometimes that I had envisioned it, that I had called it through, I guess, in a way. Um, and I think we forget how powerful we can be that way, especially if we don't have opportunities to check back and to realize how far we've come or what we successfully did to call through a shift or a change that is more along the lines of what we want or what is good for us. 
I think it gives us confidence too that if we can see that we've done it once, then we know that it's possible again. I mean, I I know when I moved from uh, Toronto to Vancouver, I I knew a full I think it was about nine years before I came that I wanted to come, but I didn't know how to do it. But I knew that's what I wanted. Um, I didn't even know how to move myself towards it. And once I got here, I realized how long it had, how, how long ago that seed had been planted. Right. So, so within, I mean, and I don't think things are taking 10 years to manifest anymore. I think that, that our process of manifesting, because the energy level um, or the, the vibration level is increasing in frequency. So I think that things are manifesting faster. Than, than they used to, both positively and negatively. So that's when they say, be careful what you wish for, right? Because you'll get it. So, so I think we need to be really intentional about what we want and, and what we don't want. Um, because if it starts on that non-physical level, on the, on the level of intention, then I, w- I just saw something today online, a guy, he had a red box and he said, uh, I want to talk today about my red box. He said, this was introduced to me by someone I really respect. And, and, he said, and he said, I'm going to explore it with you today. And he opened the lid. And he had all these little pieces of paper in there, postcards and, and pieces of paper. And on them, he had written things that he wanted. Um, or, or just even ideas for, for what could be useful in terms of what he wanted further down the road. And he said, at the time, I... I just write these or I collect things and I put them in the box and I close the lid on the box and I treat it like it's a genie's lamp. <laughs> and, and I, I assume that magic are going to happen in this box. And then I go on with my life. And then every once in a while he said, I come back and I open the box and I go and have a look. And he said, today I opened the box and, and he said, I, uh, I, I, he had written down on the piece of paper and he pulled it out and he showed it to us on the, on the screen. And it, and it said by this date, whatever it was, um, that, that his, his subscription list would have passed 300,000 people. And he had done that. But by that date, he had done it. And, and, but he wasn't, he wasn't sitting there, um, worrying at Watching it every it. day. It, it, it makes yeah. you think of a watched yeah. pot, never boils. Yeah, kind never of boils. But if you put the pot on the stove and you turn, you turn the burner on, you know that at some point it's going to boil. Then you can do something True. else and multitask and, and it, will be, it will be doing its thing on the back burner there until, until you get to it. So, so I think this, this says to me that dreaming and, and I think to a certain extent, people who write, I've, I've always said that science fiction is the way we dream into the future. It's the way we know things that we can't prove yet. And we write about them as if they're true. Yeah. Um, and, and we call it science fiction because it isn't provable yet. So we can't write about it as though it were fact. So we, so right. we put it in fiction. It has its own category. But it's amazing how often we can go back and look at it later and see <laughs> that we've actually manifested something that the writer wrote about many, many years before. 
um, e even, you know, it, it can even be 100 years before. Um, because our artists dream forward into the future. And I think you could say that the artist part inside each one of us dreams forward into the future. So, so begs the question, what do we want to dream, right? What, when, yeah. when, this, when this virus is, is, has moved through, what do we want to be left with? When, in other words, when the tide goes out, what do we hope is left on the beach? What do we hope right. has been washed away and what do we hope has been left in its place? Right. Or we could we even say what, what, yeah, 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 yeah. I was just thinking too, because what, what comes into my mind oftentimes is, you know, you referred earlier to knowing what you don't want anymore. And so sometimes when I dream into the future, I'll be dreaming or I'll be envisioning in, in the context of here is a wound that I want healed. And so you could perceive it as like a negative. I don't think it's actively a negative because you're calling for the healing. You're asking for the healing, but the, the 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 hooks that I have for that at the moment are just the acknowledgements of what is right now, which is still in pain or is in in active harm, you could say, either receiving or, or giving. And or dissonance even. Yeah. Yeah, which which still hooks into your idea of like, well, what does the storm leave behind? Because sometimes the storms uncover things that have been hidden for a while or only you could only just see like the tips of and now it's all laid out and it could be a shocking discovery where you had no idea that was there just under the surface. I have a feeling that has been happening um, for a lot of people, especially over the last few weeks, a lot of white people, a lot of white people who really didn't get it. Um, there's a lot of us out there who just didn't get it and didn't realize how deep and how pervasive uh, the ongoing systemic racism that is perpetrated through so many different branches of local local areas federal federal areas etc and that is it's distressing to suddenly see how big a problem is um, but if we don't see it how do we ever actually heal or address or make a plan um, there's been a lot of times in my life where my family has uh, considered me to be, uh, you know, the idealist, uh, full of all the ideas, wanting, they would say rosy glasses, looking at what's possible. Maybe they've, I don't think anybody's called me a Pollyanna, but I think that's sort of been there as a subtext, the idea that I just can only see good things that are going to happen instead of potentially seeing the negatives. Um, but I actually, challenge that concept within myself because the other the other month I was having a conversation with someone and I have taken the term uh realizer as my chosen title for my for myself in in terms of who I be and what I do in the world I am a realizer I make things real so it's a it's a play it's a play on the word realize which is to you know oh see something and understand it but also to make real um so as a realizer, I can't make things real. And I would extrapolate that to not just me. We can't make new things real if we refuse to see things as they are right now. If we cannot boldly look at what is broken 
and in honesty look at what is broken. And that means both for ourselves and for what's going on around us. If we can't take an honest assessment of where things are because it's too uncomfortable, it hits too close to home, we can't make the numbers work, whatever the numbers means in any given situation. We can't make the resources stretch. We can't see a way from here to the end. It is very tempting to kind of fudge a little bit about either what we think, we care, what resources we have or where we're really at so that we can stay in hope and stay in um, positive action that is meant to be getting us closer to our goal. But if we, if we are not grounding that, if we are not acting from what is real and what is going on right now around us, then we are not going to get where we want to go because then, then we're, instead of pulling a dream through into reality, we are building on dream. And that's not solid ground. A dream is meant to be built on what is real right now to be bringing it through into the real world. Yeah, and sometimes that's I think we, we have to be able to be ridiculous. Yes. And then make it real because some of, some of the things that we, that we dream seem impossible, but if we can't dream at the impossible level uh, and then start taking realistic steps towards it, we'll, we won't, we won't dream big enough. I mean, the, the, the problems that we have are huge. So I think we need huge dreams to deal with them. And, and so yeah, we, we need do. to be audacious enough to dream really, really big. Um, and then, and then just keep plugging away at it. Um, you know, that, that in a way, horrible euphemism of, of room wasn't. Uh, how do day. you need an elephant? Right. <laughs> or, or, or how do you need an elephant? You're one yeah. bite at a time. One bite at a time. Yeah, yeah. But there was another one. It, we used to have pink elephant jokes when I was a kid. And one of them was, how do you get an elephant inside a bottle? You And you look at them through the wrong end of a binocular, and you pick them up with, with tweezers and put them in the bottle. <laughs> but I think sometimes that we do need to flip the way we're seeing something in order to be able to, to shift the dimensions of it. Yeah. So that so that we can so that we can work with it. And I also I think I hear a lot of people saying this is so big uh, and and so impossible. I feel helpless. It just makes me depressed. Um, I, I give up. I don't I don't see any way forward with this. Nobody's listening. There's not enough people waking up if people won't wake up and I don't have any uh, I don't have enough power to make them wake up. Then what do we do? And I, and I think that there's always two ways of coming at everything, um, at least two, but, but two in the sense of if you, if you can't, if you're not one of the people who is in a position to shift the macrocosm, then maybe you can shift the microcosm. Yeah. The microcosm is me. So I was thinking the other day about, about having, a, I saw something about Canada Day, but it was William Shatner saying that he was a Canadian. Um, and he's had such a success in the United States um, that, that, you know, he's come back, comes back to his roots. Well, he grew up in Montreal and I didn't know that. Um, but when I was growing up in Montreal, there was a huge amount of conflict between the French and the English. And, and therefore, to some extent, between the Catholics and the Protestants, because that was 
to some extent how it how it lined up and it was it, that constant conflict made me crazy it it made me yeah. feel like just giving up and walking away and a lot of people my generation did walk away from quebec um for you know for many people because they didn't feel that there were job opportunities for them there but for many people it was that they had just they couldn't they couldn't handle that level of conflict but it doesn't mean that because we walked away from quebec that we didn't take conflict with us because i think that we have a conflict built in inside each one of us the conflict between the part of us that dreams and the part of us that is pragmatic about how do we make this real um there's there's at that interface between what we what we desire and what we're dreaming about and what we believe is possible and and what we have the tools for right now that friction point i think is where the growth comes that's where right. the opportunities are to move forward one step at a time so i if i don't feel like i can influence um federal politics or the united nations um or or uh war maybe i can address the united nations within me um <laughs> so and i remember um one of the people i worked with back in the 90s was talking about um the human human rights how how much do i honor my own human rights because if i don't right. honor my own i'm not going to be able to honor anybody else's out there in the world so we show on that what does that mean yeah it's i mean it's a great great question to ask so i have a poem not a little poem a little write up you could call it poetry i guess that's right spot on what you're saying and it's yes. something that i used to read to my students eons ago back in sri lanka may i share it now it's like right on on task go for okay. it go so for it's it. called i wanted to change the world when i was a young man i wanted to change the world i found it was difficult to change the world so i tried to change my nation when i found i couldn't change the nation i began to focus on my town i couldn't change the town and as an older man i tried to change my family now as an old man i realize the only thing i can change is myself and suddenly i realize that if long ago i had changed myself i could have made an impact on my family my family and i could have made an impact on our town their impact could have changed the nation and i could indeed have changed the world yeah and um where this comes from it says it's from an unknown monk i have a feeling it's a little more recent than that like 1100 ad is what it says it doesn't sound like 1100 ad language but uh yeah <laughs> internet sources yeah. are kind of a little sketchy at times I find out but who we, actually said But it just goes to show that we can draw our inspiration from anywhere. It can be and and we've got some songs lined up today. It can be from the lyrics to a song. It can be um someone whom we see on a on a public stage um in life who does something or copes with something or invents something that that gives us pause. that mm -hmm. makes us believe that it's possible. Mm -hmm. Um and and I think that we we need to we need to draw our inspiration from from anywhere we we can find right now and work at all of this from any level that is accessible to us or that we believe is accessible to us. 
Um, because if we're all working towards it and everybody's doing it in their own way, that that creates the collective that's going to shift all of this. Mm-hmm. So we have a song lined up. Yeah, I'm thinking we should play the the one by the Killers called "Human." And I love God, the he's got uh, wonderful lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics are good. I mean, what, what the one that it keeps he keeps repeating is, "Are we human or are we dancer?" I actually never realized he said "dancer" there. I heard the song a lot of times, but I didn't realize that's what he said. And I can feel the invitation in that question, which yes. is, um, "Are you recognizing?" the entirety of your potential and the fact that you are capable of so much more than you may be giving yourself credit for. And only when we accept that more powerful possibility for ourselves, can we start to leverage that power? Sometimes we can be, we can be engaging in the world with, with a power that's, that's um, uh, untrained. I'm thinking of like when my son was growing large, very fast, right? Coming into pu- puberty and rapidly increasing in stature and musculature. And he would try to engage and wrestle with his younger brother in the same way he used to. And unaware of his power, he could so easily hurt, but he could so easily help as well. And it was just a matter of being aware of our power so that we can use it with intention and with um, deliberateness. So let's take a listen to this, the killer's human, and let's um, ponder that thought. How are we more powerful than we realize? I did my best to notice When the call came down the line Up to the platform of surrender I was brought but I was kind And sometimes I get nervous When I see an open door Close your eyes, clear your heart Cut the cord Are we human? My sign is vital My hands are cold And I'm on my knees Looking for the answer Are we human? Or are we dancers?
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We were just listening to The Killers and the song Human, reminding us that we are more powerful. We are more, just more, <laughs> than we may really be acknowledging more. or honoring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're just more. And um, that as we talk about dreaming through new possibilities, making them real in this world, um, that we need to tap into that for ourselves and and as a society i think small our pockets ourselves our families i was i was thinking about (laughs) well i was thinking about the dancing element too because to me there's in dance you you have to have the you have to have strength and structure to be able to dance right there are there are some steps there are some basic pieces there but it's also fluid and and it's and it's collaborative. So you're you're moving and you're interpreting as you as you you go along. And I and I think I was I was thinking about what is it that helps us to adapt to change. Um, and part of it is that ability to be to be fluid, to adjust around the obstacles that are placed in front of us, but to keep in mind what it is where it is that we're going ultimately. Yeah. Um, and, and so to me, the dancer is also, it, it, it speaks to that ability to adapt um, and, and, and shift and m- move in and out of balance and all of those things that, um, that when, we inc- when we incorporate them into our humanness, I think make us stronger and more resilient and more able to um, move through change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have some ideas for some questions for for us and for all of you out there who are listening. Um, I got I got three questions, and so I, I'll I'll just pose them, um, and then and then we'd love to go into another song that we think sets this up really nicely in terms of um, what it says. So my first question is, um, what are we dreaming into existence right now? Mm-hmm. So what is it basically, and, 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 I, and I, that's in the continuous present, right? What am I dreaming into existence? What am I actively uh, trying to conjure up right now? And because that's the, that's the road I'm on. That's the road I'm following into my future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's full of hope and, and possibilities and dreams. The second question is, what's my superpower in order to get there mm-hmm. so what is my superpower when I go inside my phone booth and I and I rip off my regular everyday clothes what what is this 
the, the super, the super person suit that I'm wearing underneath that. Um, what are, what are my greatest gifts and talents um, without even having to develop them yet? Right. Because I can develop them and take them further. But before I even have to do that, what, what did I arrive on this planet with that is, that is my, my basic superpower raw material. Yeah. And the third question is, uh, what's, what's on my leading edge right now? What's the, cause I believe that the edge of what we know to be ourselves, what we know to be possible for ourselves, that's an exciting place because it's that place of potential. It's what I haven't quite realized yet. Although I may have, realized something similar to it. I may have used some of the same skills, but, but what am I leaning into right now? Um, I, I think I, I find these juicy, exciting questions for, for these times. Mm-hmm. So um, let's, let's, so let's just talk about what this next song is about. Cause I think leads us into it nicely. All right. So the next song is called unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. My first uh, connection with this song was actually when it first came out, I was still uh, teaching at the school in Sri Lanka and I I took hold of it and I kept it in reserve and I made a video to go with it that I played at the graduation of our students. It's such a powerful, uh, forward-facing, (laughs) truth-speaking song, which is put, it, it, it puts the pen in, in our hands, right? Where it's, you're looking into the future and saying, the next chapter is unwritten and you get to write it. What do you want it to be? So it's, it's, a, it's a song that's deeply rooted in what I was trying to describe earlier, which is being in honesty with self, but what is real, ruthless attention to what are the facts. But then from there, you can dream and you can build into what it is that you want to be. And I, I know, we can pull through some amazing things, both you and I, Luca, and the people that we we seem to connect with. They are there are so many dream speakers who just their ideas make you go, Haha, "That's not possible," and then they just get about doing them. And I love that. I love it so much. <laughs> I was thinking about the people who who dream but haven't manifested yet, but sometimes they're bre- dreaming on behalf of everyone. So. So their, their only responsibility is to have the dream and, and, and speak it or paint it or write it or sing it. And then somebody else will take that as inspiration and run with it. Yes, so, it's very true. Because we're collaborative human beings. We don't have to do everything all by ourselves. And not everybody has to be the realizer. <laughs> no, no exactly. Yeah. But other people need to have the, the different tools for making things real. There's all different tasks that need to be done. All right. So we've got Natasha Bedingfield, Unwritten. And then we'll be back in a few minutes to continue talking about what next as we dream through a new reality.
Welcome back to Essential Conversations. We just listened to Natasha Bedingfield singing Unwritten, reminding us, um, and, and with the questions that Luca had prefaced with, maybe Luca, would you like to repeat those Shall questions again? again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So question number one, what are we dreaming into existence right now? And so maybe we can just answer those questions ourselves. Maybe that would be inspiring to those of you listening out there, but you can, you can think about it on your own. Um, what are you dreaming into existence? What are you dreaming into existence, Rebecca? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a juicy question? Oh, yeah. And I've got some big things that I'm dreaming into. I have had the privilege of uh, connecting with somebody who is a, a kindred um, realizer who also just goes big and forgets to remember that they're just a single human and now being partnered with someone else to do work in the community. We've got some pretty audacious, huge plans that we're really dreaming hard on right now. Um, Focusing our sights on the downtown east side of Vancouver, the, the open wound of, of Vancouver and even you could say BC or even Canada, because I, I really believe that the problems that are, that we could see there, the hurt and the pain that, it, that we can see there is the wounding of our nation. And it's just open at the surface there and it's concentrated. And so it's present throughout 
but boy, is it really in need of some nurturing, some healing, some um, support, and some some um, evolution into into an invitation into something more than just being a place where there, which is known for addictions and known for homelessness and known for a crime of all different kinds. And we're dreaming into what could it look like if we were to create um, developments that actually hold lots more affordable housing, housing stock for the people that are living in that neighborhood um, so that people who are teetering on homelessness can have somewhere more secure so that small families or single parent families who are part of the working poor of Vancouver, where you may be working very hard and long hours, but you're barely, you are well under the poverty line and it's very difficult to even pay rent. And then if you're having to deal with rent evictions or, or such scarcity in, in places to live in, what would it look like if we were to build a building that didn't just have affordable living options, um, but also held space for all, or not all, but for, for many of the nonprofits or other organizations that are at work doing successful uh, supports and interventions for both individuals and groups in that area of town, where we could be uh, creating spaces for them to interface and connect and support each other, uh, while they're doing their important work so that things don't always need to be reinventing the wheels that um, nonprofits are not so uh, operating separately from each other um, we could help to hold some of the infrastructure create the the places the spaces that would actually be conducive to supporting the healing the community building the st stabilizing of families of individuals uh, as they walk a path towards um, wholeness and recovery from addictions etc um, and again with the attention to what is it now and not being in obliviousness or ignorance or naivete about what is now uh, but also not just uh, providing support so that it can just sort of maintain where it's at but with a view for healing with a view for supporting those who want to exit who want to enter into something more stable um, so that there is a, a growth and a development and th that it's not again looking at the things that it's not so we don't want to replicate we don't want to continue the things that it's not not gentrification not um, separating or more divisions along socioeconomic backgrounds but something that feeds into uh, interconnectedness between socioeconomic backgrounds, educational backgrounds, um, diversity of where people come from. There's a lot of people who might be immigrants who are in that area as well. How do we help and support them into knitting together into part of the community that they are part of now? And the vision just keeps getting bigger. But the beauty of having a vision that is so big or a dream that is so big and knowing that it's bigger than me it's bigger than my partner, Cherie. It's bigger than the two of us can put together. Is that from the start, you're like, okay, we're going to have to be in connection with a whole raft of people, which makes you curious about, well, who else is already holding pieces of this that we just need to meet? Who else is um, holds wisdom or research or insight or resources that could be put to play here that wants to play on a bigger team but maybe doesn't know that there could be a bigger team 
And so in that space of curiosity and in that space of audacious dreaming, we're finding so many synchronicities happening where we have a conversation with this person. You're like, oh my gosh, you need to know this person. This person needs to be on your brain trust. This person has a project. It's so successful. They just need uh, more resources, more space, more volunteers, whatever it is. And it is an, a delightful place to be in. And I have no doubts that this is coming true. I don't know what it's going to look like yet because it's bigger than me. It's not just my dream. It's not just well, and I think this is the, the brilliance of, of radio and the brilliance of the internet is that you can be in touch with, because you were talking about a group in, in England that is, mm. that is, is busy realizing some of these yeah. dreams in their yeah. own way and that you could that you could talk to them and build on it and perhaps they can use some of the things that you're doing and 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 incorporate that so so i this is where i feel like um these having these conversations on radio and on the internet makes them accessible to people who are either doing something similar or who need the inspiration of being able to see that this is possible so that they can realize something that may just be a, an impossible dream, seemingly impossible dream for them right now. Yeah. So you already talked about what your superpower is because it's Oh, did I? Realizing. Oh, realizer. Yes, I'm the realizer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm so very that's, good at taking that's the part of your, bringing them through. <laughs> that's your superpower. So what's what's on your leading edge? Um and by leading edge, can you clarify again what it is that you mean by that? Well, what what's the thing that you're that you don't even know is possible yet, but you're leaning into it. It's the thing that oh. makes you feel a little bit scared, but a little bit excited at the yeah. same time. Okay, that is clear now. Um, I would say the the responsibility as well as the opportunity of the brain trust that's connected with the vision that we have which I'm taking on because I really passionately believe that I, we need, in order to be successful, whatever that looks like in this, in this case, uh, we need the, the voices of diversity and representation from local folk, from people who, are, uh, just, who, who live there, who work there, who are growing there, who are serving there, whatever, whatever that looks like. All, I want representation and I want um, to learn and to hear and to integrate what I hear uh, into the creation of the plans for what could be created. And it feels, it, I have some uncertainty around it because I feel that it could be done very badly. I think there's been a long history of uh, seeking input from voices without actually maybe having the right voices at the table. How do I choose to bring in the right voices? How do I source the right voices? How do I make sure that what I learn is implemented? This is the weighty part that I feel and that I don't know that I have, um, that it's just going to happen, but I'm hoping that with setting the intention and with constantly reminding myself that those are the things that I want to do well, that that will come together. Yeah. It, it reminds me of the idea that we uh, we're often when we're looking for help, we go out looking for the so-called experts. But I think that within many of our community, all of our communities, there is the person who doesn't even acknowledge their expertise. Yeah, that they, that they may have a superpower. 
in there that they don't know about, right? So I think it's yeah. great to ask everybody what's your superpower because how often do we stop and ask that? Absolutely. So Absolutely. we have another song to, to wrap this up. We do have another song. Yeah. <laughs> we decided to pull from Flashdance. <laughs> what a Feeling by Irene Cara. And the first line on it is, first, when there's nothing but a slow-growing dream. And when we came across that, we are like, you know what? That's exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah. So we're going to have a listen to this song, and then we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about the slow-growing dream before we leave you for this week. But a slow-glowing dream That your fear seems to hide Deep inside your mind All alone I have cried Silent tears full of pride In a world made of steel Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. We just listened to Irene Cara 
and the song what a feeling a little bit of a flashback to youth <laughs> for myself and for luca and for anybody who's listening who's even younger generations it would be even more retro but um and that was one of those movies i wasn't allowed to watch when i was a kid <laughs> so. oh it was i mean it was for its time it was it was inspiring it was upbeat it was and it was a a story of a of a woman who a, a woman who was doing something that women weren't supposed to be able to do she was a welder um in the steel industry and she was dancing because dancing was her passion mm -hmm. um she wanted to get herself onto a stage and dance and so um, it's, it's, it's a story of possibilities. So yeah. uh, we come back to our questions that I, w I would love to leave all of you listeners with this, these, with this, these three questions today. One of them is what are you dreaming into existence? And the second one is what's your superpower? And the third one is what's on your leading edge right now? Um, and I, and I would love to leave you with a, with a, a quote that I rediscovered today, quote, it, it was, I channeled it, this, and, and I had forgotten about it, but I found it five years back in my journals. And that, that quote is, our fingerprints don't fade within the lives we touch. Mm. So it comes back to this, what's your superpower? Mm -hmm. Because whether you acknowledge it or not, you are influencing all the lives around you. And that's the ripple effect. And that's what's going to change the world. And that is where I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halex, Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalex.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, ah, Happy, 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 happy. Boing, 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 boing.